long. Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and turn to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Today I'm going to do kind of like I did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to give you kind of an inside look at what's going on around here. I'm going to share some of the secrets and just I'm going to let you in on the inside so you know what's going on. And a couple weeks ago we talked about the song service and the purpose of the song service, why we do things the way we do with the singing, kind of what our motives are behind it. And I'm going to talk today we're going to talk about something else that is a part of our service that you may not fully understand what it's all about, but there is a reason for it, and that is the invitation. At the end of our services, you will usually have you know we see we have everyone stand, we'll play a song on the piano and Give people a chance to come to the altar, and there's there's a reason for that. There's something behind that, and uh, I'm going to share that with you this morning, so you'll understand what that is all about. It's very important. There's uh, a lot of people out there they kind of criticize that um, the invitation service. One thing that you will hear people say a lot of when they don't like something that churches are doing, especially something that's a little more old-fashioned like that, is they'll say things like, "Well, you know." I was studying online and I that found out that that's something that started, you know, in the early 1900s or in the 1800s. You know, there's a reason that you start reading about a lot of these things in, you know, not too distant past. And a lot of it was because uh, a lot of revivals took place during that time. And a lot of churches got back to doing things that they were supposed to do. They got back to the Word of God. Um, when the, the King James Bible came out, it changed a lot of things in churches because people were finally able to get a hold of the copy of the Word of God and were able to figure out what it was they were supposed to be doing. And so that's why a lot of those things came about later. And then another reason it's kind of harder to find it in the earlier history is because the farther back you go in history the harder it is to find accurate history. You know, The farther you go back, the more things get lost and the more things are forgotten. But I think what we do, I think it is biblical. And hopefully by the end of this message, you'll kind of see what it's all about. And the real reason people criticize it and don't like it is because when people come to church, many people when they go to church, they don't want any type of pressure put on them at all. And they don't like getting convicted. They don't like being asked to make a decision. And we'll see in the Bible that uh, preaching is intended to get people to make decisions. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, I like what this verse says. It says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. An angel, that's a messenger. So I've sent my messenger into the church to tell you some things. All right. So I've sent I've sent a messenger. He sent a messenger. Uh, John. He gave them the book of Revelation. He, it was uh, written to the seven churches that were in Asia, and he took these things to him. And then he says, "I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bride and morning star, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come." And let uh, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. Notice how it says the spirit and the bride. Hey, I've sent my messenger and my Holy Spirit and His church 
the bride, are telling you to come. The, the, and let him that is a thirst say, come. Those of you that have gotten saved and those of you that have received Christ, you're supposed to go and tell other people to come. Make a decision to come to Christ. And, let, and whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. We see here an invitation that's given at the end of the book of Revelation for people to come and take that water of life. For people to come and receive Jesus Christ. And when we preach, it's not about just somebody getting up here and running their mouth for a half hour or 45 minutes. We're trying to accomplish something in people's lives. We want to see people make decisions. And we want to see people, of course, make the right decisions. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. If you want to turn over there, Acts chapter 7, verse 54. says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Stephen's been preaching. All right, we're not going to read his whole message, but Stephen, he's preaching to a group of Jewish people. And boy, when they heard that message, when Stephen got, when while Stephen was preaching, when he was done preaching, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. I mean, man, it, it got him. Have you ever been there before? Where you've been sitting in church, and it's like that preacher is just preaching right to you. I mean, it's like this preacher doesn't even know me. But man, it just. Boy, there's a something just tugging at your heart. And sometimes people, when that they feel that, they will respond to it. They will make the right decision. Some people, they get angry and they never come back. These people, when Stephen preached that message that dare convict their dirty hearts, the Bible says that they gnashed on him with their teeth. I mean, they were just angry. And they're mad at him, it says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. They couldn't stand hearing this. They, they, they're yelling, they're plugging their ears. Have you ever seen kids do that? No, no, no. They plug their ears and make noise so they can't hear anything. And that's what these Jewish people are doing. But Stephen, he's full of the Holy Ghost. He just keeps on preaching and they can't stand it. And the Bible says they run on him with one accord. They took him and they stoned him. They killed Stephen. Stephen got done with his message and he had an invitation. It didn't go real well. Now, thankfully, I've never given an invitation like that where after the invitation came, folks started attacking me and throwing rocks at me. That has not happened. Uh, I hope that doesn't ever happen. But it happened here. They don't Invitations don't always go good. But Stephen's message that he preached, I mean, he was confronting these people. He talked about Jesus, the one that they had just crucified. And he, I mean, he went through their history and kind of how they'd always been persecuting the prophets and things. And it convicted them. And decision time came and they made the wrong decision. But we want people to make the right decisions. Acts chapter 26, verse 27. Paul, he's preaching to Agrippa. He's preaching to the king. I mean, can you imagine to be preaching to the king? Somebody who, uh, while he's actually a prisoner, and he's kind of standing there, he's kind of on trial, and Paul, wherever he went, he's preaching. And he gets done with his message, and he there's an invitation. And King Agrippa said in verse 27, he said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. He asked me, he's like, he said, do you, do you believe this? Oh, no. When I go to church, I don't want anybody asking me what I believe. You know, I'll go and I'll sit there, I'll do my time, I'll listen. 
But boy, when you get he confronted them. He asked them flat out. He said, "Do you believe this?" And he said, "I know thou believest." And King Agrippa noticed he didn't say, "I don't believe," but he said unto Paul, "Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian." Paul was trying to get Agrippa to make a decision. He was trying to get him to change. He was trying to get him to receive Christ as his Savior. And unfortunately, Agrippa made the wrong choice. Agrippa did not get saved. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Paul's like, I wish it wasn't just almost. I wish you would get saved. And not just you, everybody that's hearing me. I wish they'd get saved. Paul, he preached his message. He gave an invitation. Try to get them to make the right decision. Try Also, we're trying to get people to make immediate decisions. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Acts 8 verse 35. It's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip, he sees this man. He's there sitting by the chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah. He doesn't understand what he's reading. He said, Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no, how can I? Except some man teach me. And then it says in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know, you don't have to be necessarily in an auditorium and have a large amount of people to preach the gospel and to have an invitation. Sometimes I've had invitations in people's house. Just right there, you preach the gospel to them, you share the message of salvation, and you ask them, hey, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior right now? And Philip, he's there and he preaches unto him Jesus. And we don't know, said so they're, they're traveling along, we don't know all that goes on in between. But it says, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He'd obviously talked to him about baptism. He had probably told them about the baptism of Jesus Christ. He told them about that's what you, the first step of obedience after salvation. And the eunuch, he's there and he's thinking, hey, there's water. I'd like to get baptized. And you know, Philip said, "No, I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait till next Sunday when we've got the baptistry ready to go, and when we can, uh, you know, then, then we'll baptize you." No, he's like, "Hey, he, Philip said unto him, he said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest." He had, he flat out asked him, "Hey, do you believe with all your heart?" You know, it's pointless to get baptized without believing on Christ. It's pointless to get baptized if you've not been saved. And so he asked him. He said, "Believest thou with all thy heart?" And he said, "I believe." And he, uh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Right there, they took care of business. Right there, they got it done. You know, with salvation, it's not something that you want to put off because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And listen, when we when we come get people in here, we preach the gospel to them. They don't always get it the first time, but you know, they might not get it for months or years. But you know what? At the same time, we always want to make sure we give that opportunity. Because we don't always know what's going on in people's hearts. We don't know uh, what they're thinking. We don't know how much time people have. I don't recommend waiting. You can wait. You can wait till your deathbed. You can wait till the last ten minutes of your life. But how many of us know when that's going to be? And this is a serious thing and it's urgent. And so we we want to... So we're not twisting people's arms. Philip didn't twist his arm. He said, do you believe with all your heart? He didn't have to twist this guy's arm. He was ready for business. He he believed. He wanted to be saved. He wanted to be baptized. 
And he but he asked him. He had to make that decision. And preaching, it's sometimes it's intended just to get people to make a decision so they know where they stand. Now we don't like making decisions these days. First Kings chapter eighteen, verse twenty one. First Kings eighteen, verse twenty one. Elijah is preaching here, and there was people. They hadn't decided if they were going to follow the true Jehovah God of Israel or if they were going to follow the evil God Baal. And it says, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered Him not a word. He said, folks, it's time for you to make a decision. It's time for you to decide, hey, if the Lord's God, follow Him. But if it's Baal, if you really think Baal is the true God, serve Him. Stop trying to be in the middle. Stop trying to do both. It's time to make a decision. And the people, they didn't answer a word. I remember one time I was talking to a young girl in the detention home. She was probably about 14 or 15 years old and given the plan of salvation and she was asking about it. And I and I remember I told her I said you need to I told her how to get saved and how you need to call on Christ for salvation and she started bringing up all these sins in her life that she didn't want to give up. Now listen, I know that you don't get saved by being good. Okay, I know that. But when the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, okay. And you and you repent of sin, or when you get saved, you at least ought to have the intention of getting rid of those things. And when people are like, "I want to get saved, but I'm not going to give this up," they're not really putting their faith and trust in Christ. They don't really want to be saved from their sins. They're basically saying, "I like my sin. I like where I'm at." And she kept bringing these things up, and I told her, "It's like you know, you got to make your choice. Do you want to follow Christ, or do you want to continue?" Living your life the way you've been living, and she just kept saying, "Well, you know, I don't, I just, I don't want to really make a decision." And I said, "Well, the truth is, you are making a decision. You're making a decision to reject Christ. Well, I don't want to reject Christ, but you don't want to accept Him either." She's like, oh, "I just, I just don't want to do anything." And that was that was kind of that's a lot of people's attitude today. They don't want to reject Christ, but they don't want to accept Him either. They just want to kind of do nothing. They want to stay right in the middle. But the truth is, to just do that, to stay in the middle, is to reject Christ. And people don't like it if you put a little pressure on them to make a decision. It's it bothers them. It upsets them. And that's and they don't like churches where we kind of confront you a little bit. Because listen, this isn't something you're supposed to mess around with. This is talking about this is eternity we're talking about. This is the most valuable thing in the universe. This is your soul that we're talking about. I think it's okay to be a little urgent about it. And it help and to try to get people to understand the seriousness of this thing. So preaching, it's intended to get people to make decisions. Also, the reason we have the invitation at the end of the service, you know, we like I said we've kind of got a routine, I guess you could say. But the reason we do it that way, we want to make sure that people always know that they're or that they will have an opportunity to make that decision. And we don't know what's going on in people's hearts. And sometimes people like, well, you know, they're they're thinking about it and. Maybe they decide, you know what? What if what if they decide I'll do it next week? And then next week we decide not to give an opportunity. Well, who knows? By then 
The devil might change their mind. Who knows? It's amazing how sometimes when you're sitting in the service, I mean, you're ready to do the right thing, but boy, if you wait, if you put it off, as soon as you leave these doors, I mean, it can it can go bye-bye fast. I mean, one phone call you get from somebody can put your mind somewhere else completely. I mean, it's amazing how fast the devil can bring things in our life to distract us. And we want people to know that, hey, there's always a time that you can come to this altar and pray. That We're going to give people an opportunity. There's always an opportunity you can come and you can talk to somebody. We can show you how to get saved. And you know, the truth is, we do it at the end of the service, but really, invitation, it's all the time. You can call me up anytime. You're not going to hurt, you wouldn't hurt my feelings if you came right now and said, hey, I need to get this taken care of. That's not going to hurt my feelings one bit. Invitation, the invitation really is 24-7. And many times we have it at the end of the service, so maybe people who don't understand that yet, maybe people who are new to church, they've never been a part of it, they don't understand how everything works, that way they at least know, hey, they, that thing they do at the end of the service where people go and they get salvation. I can, I, can, I can do it then. Some people think you have to be in church to get saved. I talked to a guy right here in town one day, not far from the church, and I went through the plan of salvation with him, and I asked him, I said, would you like to give your heart to Christ right now? And he said, I'd like to. He said, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it here. He said, I want to do it at church. And I told him, I said, well, I said, hey, you know, we always have invitation at church. You can always get saved at church. But I told him, I said, you know, why not do it right here? Hey, you said you believe. You said you, you'd like to, you know, you, you said you want to get saved. Why don't we just take care of it right now? And he said, oh, I just, I just rather get saved at church, and and he said he said I'll be I, and I said I said I told him I said well I said you know, I, I can't make you do it now but I said if you want to do it at church that's fine it's like you'll get a chance uh, we'll definitely take care of that and I was afraid because I thought man what if he doesn't show up at church and he told me he said I'm going to be there Sunday and he wasn't there Sunday I had a feeling he wouldn't be there and I went back that week and I went knocked on his door and. Nobody answered. I went back there several times, knocked on the door. No, nobody answered. Sometimes people were home, and I think he knew it was me. And you know what? He changed his mind. And the devil stole away from him. I don't know how he did it, but he didn't respond to the invitation when he had the opportunity, and it went away. And we need. To, and you know, people don't have to get saved at church, but you know what? You're more like when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. That's when you want to act. And the Holy Spirit does a lot of His speaking in the house of God. The Holy Spirit does a lot of His speaking during the preaching of the Word of God. And it only makes sense to have that time to give people a chance to make the decision right there as soon as the preaching's been done, before they can leave the place, before the devil can get them distracted by something else. To right then, after the, you've been pushed by the preaching, to make that decision to just do it right then before you can change your mind. And so that's why we do it at the end of the service. We all we do it so other other people who are new to the church they'll know what to do. So you know the invitation it's not just for the lost people it's it's for the saved people. We don't always do salvation messages. Sometimes we preach on other things that are intended for saved people. And the Lord speaks to your heart. It's okay for you to come, not to do it for a show, but sometimes to do it just so other maybe somebody else will know what to do. I mean, you stop and think about it. You're a lost person. You've never been in a church like this before. You've never been a part of invitation. You hear the pastor and he's up there and he's talking about you know coming and 
giving your heart to Christ, and nobody moves, and they're sitting there like, come, come where? What do I do? Sometimes it's like they have to come a few times, just kind of watch what goes on to figure it all out. And it helps if we set the example for that. Because I'm not talking about putting on a show. But I'm talking about setting an example because the truth is, hopefully, the Lord speaks to your heart during the services. Hopefully, the, uh, you make decisions sometimes during the service. Maybe you know Wednesday we preached on anger. Sometimes maybe the Lord He might speak to your heart a message like that about hey controlling your anger, about staying away from things that get you angry, that get you in trouble. Who knows? I mean, there's a million things the Holy Spirit could speak to your heart about, and it's important that we take care of it. I remember when I when the Lord called me to preach. When the Lord called me to preach, I was I was at Camp Joy. I was a counselor. And every night after the service, they would have the invitation. And with the counselors, we would go to the back and we would, uh, the kids or the teenagers, they would come and talk to us and we would pray with them and, uh, you know, lead them to Christ, whatever it was. And I remember that night I was in the service and the Lord all day, He'd been speaking to my heart about the call to preach. And I, I, I knew the Lord wanted me to do it. And the truth is, I didn't have to surrender during an invitation. And the truth is, I think I'd made this decision before the invitation, but I remember I'm sitting there in the service. And I just knew I needed to make it public. I knew I needed to tell somebody about my decision for accountability purposes. And I remember that whole service. Honestly, I do not remember one thing that preacher preached. I don't remember one thing. I just remember the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart that whole time. And I just wanted service to get over so during the invitation I could go and talked to Pastor Charlie Hatchett. He was the camp director at the time. And I just wanted to go tell him about my decision. I wanted that accountability. I wanted somebody that kind of kind of hold me to it. That I had decided that I or I had surrendered to be a preacher of the Word of God. And I remember as soon as that invitation started, I knew exactly what to do. I knew exactly where to go. I went back. I went straight, Pastor Hatchett. I told him, I said, "Hey, I'm here to make a decision." I want to make it public. The Lord's called me to be a preacher. And I'm so thankful that they didn't skip the invitation that night. Because, you know, after I had gotten it out there, after I'd made it public, I was all in. I, you know, and if I would have kept it to myself, it would have been real easy to maybe lay it for the devil to say, you know what? You were just feeling emotional at the time. The Lord didn't really call you to preach. You don't need to tell anybody. What you were feeling or what you promised God, nobody knows. Who knows? He could have done that to me. I'm thankful I had that that opportunity. I could go and make that decision public, not to put on a show. It wasn't about putting on a show. I needed to do that. I needed it for myself, and I'm so glad I made that the decision. One of the best decisions that I ever made. But we don't know who the Holy Spirit's dealing with and what He's dealing with them about. That's why we. That's why we always do it. So that night, I, I, I do not remember what the preacher preached about. He might have been preaching on salvation. He might have been preaching on respecting your parents. I have no idea. All I knew is I needed to make a decision. And I, and I knew when to do it. We don't know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to people about. We want to always have an opportunity. I've heard stories about people who went and they got, they went forward in the invitation to get saved after the pastor preached a message about tithing. Because, it's like, why would, hey, it's because the Holy Spirit, He's the one that really speaks to hearts. He's the one that draws people to salvation. And that's why we always want to give that opportunity. But the invitation, like I said before, it's not just for the lost, it's for the saved. 
Public altars. Well, I don't believe in praying in public. I believe in the prayer closet. Well, I believe in the prayer closet too. I hope you have a private prayer life. I hope the only place you pray is not in the church in front of other people. I hope you pray in private. I hope you pray with your family. I hope you pray in all those places. But the public altar, it's a place of humility. 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 50. There was there was many public altars that they had back in the Bible days that people would go to. And what and in 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 50 it says and Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar and it was told Solomon saying behold Adonijah feareth King Solomon for lo he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar saying let King Solomon swear unto me this day that he will not slay his servant with the sword and Solomon said if he will show himself a worthy man there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth but if wickedness shall be found in him he shall die Adonijah, we're not going to go into that whole story, but Adonijah had messed up big time. Adonijah, he messed up bad and he deserved to die and he knew it. And Adonijah, and unfortunately he wasn't completely sincere, but you know what he did? He went to that altar. And he went and he grabbed hold of the horns of that altar. And that was a sign of humility. And they went and saw him and he's ready to go slay Adonijah. But the folks said, hey, he's, he's... Grabbing hold of the horns of the altar. He's humbled himself. He realized is that he has done wrong, that he has made a mistake. And you know what? Sometimes as Christians, we get all pious and we get this attitude that we're so good, we don't really need any of the preaching. We're just here for the benefit of everybody else. But you know what? Sometimes well, we need to humble ourselves. Sometimes we get backslidden on God a little bit and we disappoint God. Sometimes we mess up big time. And you know, and when you come here, you don't have, I'm not saying you come up here and you gotta tell everybody everything you did wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But just, it's, it's a humbling thing to kneel before an unseen God. You know, if Jesus Christ showed up today, if Jesus Christ showed up in any church, it would not be Nobody would be surprised to see a bunch of people go and fall before His feet. Man, Jesus is here. God showed up. But to do it before, to do it by faith, to be praying publicly to a God that we cannot see, that we just believe by faith can hear what we say, that takes some humility. And you know what? The truth is, I think we all need a little bit of that. We all need, you know, it's a it's a reminder publicly. That we're sinners, that we do, that we need forgiveness, that we need Christ. In public altars, there are a place where we can make public decisions. Exodus chapter thirty-two and verse twenty-five. This is after Moses; he's been gone for forty days up in the mountain, and the children of Israel, as soon as their leader was gone, they immediately just got out of control. They went and they made a golden calf. They're dancing around it naked. They're acting like the Egyptians. They're playing the violent music that they had heard from Egypt. In verse 25, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them all naked under their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. He said, hey, if you're on whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here. 
Come here, come unto me. And the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto them, and then they went through and uh, killed a bunch of uh, people. But you know what he's saying? Hey, you all have a decision to make. If you're on the Lord's side, come up here. And the truth is, many times when, depending on what the message is about, you know, it's sometimes good to see God's people come to the altar. Maybe there's a prayer, maybe uh, there's a message preached on on service to God on you know, just getting on getting involved. And man, and there's people out there that just kind of watching, don't really know what's going on. And when they see God's people respond to that message, it tells them that hey, these people are in agreement with what was just preached. I know the Lord spoke to my heart about it, but you know He must. But I don't really know what to do. I don't really feel comfortable going up there. But look at all those other people that publicly have obviously made a decision and that are that are doing this too. You know, sometimes it's easy when you're when you're preaching, you just kind of preach a message and you feel like that absolutely nobody agreed with what you were saying. And the truth is, that's probably not the case. But you know what? And you know me, I, I know people well enough. I can read your faces well enough. I can tell that you're probably not ready to run me out, that you probably did agree. But you know what? What if it's some lost person, somebody who'd never been to church very much, and they hear me getting up there and preaching on whatever, and then just you hear crickets in the background. The message gets done. There's a call for decision. Nobody moves. You can hear a pin drop. They think, wow, nobody liked what that preacher said today. Not one person agreed with him. But boy, when they see that unity there, it's going to make it's going to make a difference. People respond, and sometimes this is a bad thing, but people respond a lot of times to what other people do. Many people today they cannot make a single decision without going online and looking and seeing what all their friends on Twitter or Facebook are saying. Hey, do you like that? Do you like this or do you not not like that? Well, let me go and see what everybody else said. What has more thumbs up or what has more thumbs down? I mean, they really can't decide. I mean, they can't figure out if they even like the movie or not until they read what the critics have to say about it. I mean, they just literally have to see what everybody else is thinking and that influences their decision. And let me tell you, there are a lot of sheep in America that are just going with the flow. That they... You hear them speak on different issues and they have no idea what they're talking about. They're repeating what they're hearing on the news. They're repeating what they're hearing online. And you know what the problem is? Is As Christians, a lot of times we are in agreement with the Word of God. We're in agreement with the preaching, but we don't say a word about it. And people, all they hear is the negative from everyone else. And so they think that that's the way to go. And we need to get some of these people following us. We need to get these people to follow us as we follow Christ. And it will, it will lead them in the right way. They're waiting to see what everybody else is doing. That's just, that's a bad idea. We, we, we need to be the kind of people that we're not waiting to see what everybody else does. I don't know exactly how this worked. I don't even know if it did happen. But I remember when I was a kid, I liked watching Davy Crockett. Disney movie, and there was a part on there where they were there at the Alamo, and they told the folks, "Listen, we need to fight this battle, but it's going to end bad. Whoever stays is probably going to die. 
But they're, they need our help. They need us to hold the enemy off as long as we can. And I don't remember who it was exactly, but he, the person in charge, he went and he drew a line in the sand. He said, if you want to stay, just cross that line. If not, you stay over there. You can go home. We won't say a word about it. I remember he drew that line, and as soon as he drew that line, man, Davy Crockett and his buddy, they just went walking right across, didn't even have to think. Just boom, they made the decision just like that. And then everybody else followed them. Every single person, they crossed that line. And boy, we need some people like that. They don't have to look at everybody else. When I was in, when I was a youth director, it drove me crazy. I would ask, hey, we got this youth activity we're planning on. Who all is planning on coming? And everybody would look at everybody else. You coming? You coming? Okay. You know, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm coming. It's like, man, this is a fun activity. You really have to see what your buddy's doing to decide if you want to do this or not. And that's that's just how teenagers especially are. What's everybody else doing? And that, I mean, they they can't decide what clothes they're going to wear without calling their friends. Hey, what are you wearing? This thing I can't make a decision. Right, man, make the make the decision. We need we need to challenge people. We need to be the ones. To lead by example. Listen, there may be times when there's a message preached and people need to make decisions. And you know what? Maybe you've already got this thing down. Maybe you've already taken care of it in your heart. And maybe there's somebody in the church that you're praying for. Man, they need to go forward. They need to get this thing right. They need to make a decision. Well, you know what? Maybe they're just waiting for somebody to follow. Maybe they're just waiting to see what somebody else does. Well, they shouldn't do that. No, they shouldn't do that. But you know Most people aren't really doing what they should do. You know what? Most people are following the wrong crowd. If you're really right, you take the lead. Go ahead and be public about it. And listen, this message, I'm not, this isn't about getting people to the altar and filling the altar up. Listen, I'm, I'm not interested in putting on shows and, and things like that. I think if you're going to do it, it needs to be real. It needs to be sincere. But I wanted, I mainly wanted to preach this message. I wanted, I wanted to make sure at least folks here understood what this is all about. There, there is a reason for it. People need to make decisions. They need to make decisions. Uh, we need to constantly be making decisions. We, the decision of salvation, that's a big one. But you know what? There's a lot of little decisions that need to be made. God wants you in the, in church so He can speak to your heart about things so we can be growing in Christ. He wants us to make decisions to maybe remove some things from our life. He wants us to make decisions to add some things to our life. God's want you to make decisions. And the preaching of the Word of God, that is what it's about. And I want everyone here to know that there's always a time and a place where we're going to give you that's focused on having people make those decisions. I'm not saying you have to every service. And I'm also not saying you have to wait until the invitation. But the invitation, it's always out there, especially for salvation. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The Holy Spirit, He's speaking to your heart. As a church, we're trying to speak to people's hearts. In our church, in our church constitution, we've got our statement of faith in there. We've got these things that we believe in there. And we're in agreement on these things. And we're trying to get other people to agree with these things and to come around in the church and the Holy Spirit. Boy, we need to be in agreement. There's people here that have been saved since they've started coming to this church. And now you are in agreement. And you start telling other people to come. And what we're supposed to be doing is just being an influence and making a difference. People 
need to change. You and I need to change. We need to become closer to Christ. And so, hopefully from here on out, you'll understand what this is all about. And hopefully you come to church. I hope you come to church all the time with this attitude, hey, Lord, I want You to speak to my heart. Lord, I'm I'm ready. Lord, if there's a decision that You want me to make, show that to me. And who knows? God just might do that. Who knows? Many There's been many messages I can think of that literally changed my life based on a decision I made after I heard the message. And I've, I've made some private decisions. I remember making some private decisions in the past. And you know what? Nothing much ever came of those. It was the public ones that really mattered. When I was willing to humble myself and go to that altar and make it public. And... I'm not telling you every time you come up here you gotta tell everybody why. I'm not interested in that. Sometimes there's personal things between you and God. But it is good to humble ourselves though. And don't get this attitude that we're too good. That we don't we don't need it. So hopefully that was a help to you today. So let's all stand or stand together right now with our heads bound, eyes closed.